Good morning. Do I turn it on or off? Good morning. Good morning. Somewhere in there. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm on or off. Try that one. No. Try that one. Hello. So is that the right one? Or do I just have it so low that you can't hear me? It fell during all that. Hey, look at that. Now I'm going to shut it off. Hold on just a second. It fell. Hold on. I thought I just shut it off and it's still on. Now what's going on with that? Does that button not do anything? It won't shut off. Oh, there it's off. No, it's on. Man. Who's in charge of the sermon tonight? Today? I don't know what time of day it is. We are in trouble now. I told you the first mistake was the only one I was going to make. This one wasn't mine. It's, it's the microphone. I actually work with a young man, and nothing is ever his fault. Even when he's the only one there for something to happen, it's like, well, it wasn't my fault. We have fun with that. Well, this morning's sermon is entitled, For Such a Time as This. I want to tell you this morning, and I want you to know, and I want you to really catch this, and so I'm going to say it a whole bunch of times, and then get sick and tired of saying it. God chose you for such a time as this. Look to the people around you, and then make sure we don't leave anybody out. Make sure that everyone gets to hear this. I want you to tell the people around you, God chose you. Say it out loud. In case someone missed it, turn to someone else and tell them, God chose you. Now I want you to say it out loud to yourself. I want you to say this. God chose me. You were chosen. God chose you. <clears throat> Thinking about people being chosen, when Judy and I were youth pastoring back in Alabama many years ago, we were really not that old, it was just like, um, <laughs> we keep telling ourselves that. But we were, we were uh, youth pastoring in Alabama, and every year, you lose me? It wasn't me, it was a microphone. I just pushed another button and maybe it'll work. So anyway, um, we were youth pastoring, and while we were there, uh, and I'm sure they still do it here, but obviously without being youth pastors, we're not really involved, but they had what they called, in that area, it was TNT, Top Nazarene Talent. And every spring, all the youth groups from all the churches and all the districts would come together, and they would bring their teams to do, you know, maybe someone would sing, or they had art, or, or they did different things, puppets, uh, video ministries, whatever. And I was given the opportunity to coach the district all-star basketball team that would go up in the, in the spring, later in the, summer, in the, in the spring, to a Tribeca Nazarene College. And we would participate in the regional competition. So we had teams from Tennessee and East Tennessee and Mississippi and North Alabama North and Alabama South and Georgia and Kentucky uh, from all over. And we competed. And, and it, there was this one particular team that I coached that I will never forget. It sticks with me. I remember when yesterday and I was supposed to. Okay, so I don't remember everything about it. But what I do remember was that what we did was we chose players from the district tournament to represent as all-stars for the Alabama North District. They didn't choose us. 
men. This group of boys did not have the most talented group. They, they didn't have any all-stars on the team. They were good kids, and they had good hearts. And we went up to play basketball at Tribeca after we'd had a couple of practices together. And uh, we went, if I remember right, we won our first game, which was pretty cool. Uh, but then our second game was against the Tennessee All-Star team. Now, you have to realize that the Tennessee All-Star team was chosen at the beginning of basketball season. And they traveled on different, to different basketball tournaments throughout the basketball season. And they played together, and they won most of those tournaments. So here we are. <laughs> we played one game together against this well-oiled machine that had been playing and playing. And you guessed it, we lost. Um, you really couldn't expect us to win that basketball game. There just was no competition. Fortunately for us, though, it's a double elimination tournament. So we got to go into the loser's bracket. And uh, we played the next game, and we won. And, and, and you could see the guys, because there was no great talent, they had to work together. They had to become a team. They had to, they had to bind together and, and work with the strengths that each one of them had so that they could, they could do better. And they won their next game. In fact, Tennessee kept beating people and throwing in the loser's bracket. And then we kept beating those teams, which was really cool. For us, not for the teams that lost. <laughs> well, when, when it comes down to the end, what happens is you have a winner in the winner's bracket, Tennessee, and a winner in the loser's bracket, Alabama North. And so we got to go to the championship game of the regional championship for Top Nazarene guys. <laughs> we were still, we just played a couple days together now. We played, and in fact, to go through the losers tournament, you had to play more games than they had to play in the winners tournament. So now the whole thing, are they a little little machine, but we're tired. <laughs> and the odds are against us. But I'm a coach, and so my job is to inspire and encourage those boys to at least go out and play the very best they can. So that by the end of the game, they're not saying, we don't want to keep doing this a little bit more. You know, maybe we got beat so bad. And, and we're all thinking, I mean, every, every one of the stands, well, second place is pretty good. <laughs> we're pretty happy with that. We worked our we didn't earn day. So we go on that last day, and they start playing, and we go, then the boys play their hearts out. And they did everything that they could give. I think that in that game, they didn't have anything else that they could have given. Uh, oh, by the way, I didn't mention, oh, no, I didn't mention. See, this last game was a single elimination, so winner takes all. Uh, no more double elimination or anything like that. But we get to the end of the game, and we won. <laughs> we won! <laughs> and the crowd went wild because everyone cheers for the underdog. You know? and, and what made it even better was the coaches from Tennessee came over to me, and they said, Let's go to Nashville First Church and find out who's really better. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, guys, no, I may have had a little bit of extra pride in here. I, don't know. <laughs> I said, guys, this was the only game that mattered. Oh. 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 You may have a better team, but we won. <laughs> <laughs> they walked away not real happy. <laughs> 
And I might have even pitted him just a little bit, but I didn't have time because I was too busy celebrating with the winners over here. Hey, well, the tournament, it was awesome. We had a really good time. It was a lot of fun. I wish you could have been there. So even me describing it doesn't really bring it to what it really was. But we had a good time. Now if I get through my notes, man, that was a long story. <laughs> Too many times we find ourselves believing that we're the underdogs. Don't we? We're the underdogs in that game of life and the odds are against us and the clock is running down and we don't know how we're going to get through. We don't know how we're going to win. There's too many things going on that are just lined up against us and we're not supposed to win. And then we're looks at us from the outside. But we have someone on our team who's coaching who knows a whole lot better than we do. In fact, actually, coaching is supposed to be more than the guys, right? That's why I kept telling you. That's my story and I tried to stick with it. But we need to remember, you need to remember, God chose you for such a time as this. Before we were chosen, before we chose to live our lives for God, God chose us. He chose us and promised to make us a new creation. He chose us when we were a mess. He said he would make us better. He wasn't going to leave us that way. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, pause for sound. Now it's on the radio. It's on the recorder too, Sally. They really want me to pause. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul tells us, he told the people there, and it rings true today, he said, he is confident that those who began a good work in you will be able to continue. A God is God who chooses. And he shows us. You know, let's take my report. The Bible shows us this over and over again. Let's just look at the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 5, John chapter 1. I'm not going to read them all. But each one, all four Gospels tell us that Jesus was walking along the shore and he chose Simon, who the way called Peter, who was a fisherman. And he chose Andrew, who was Simon's brother, who was a fisherman. And he chose James, I suppose, son of Zebedee, who was a fisherman. And he chose John. James' brother, who was a fisherman. Now in Matthew, the book of Matthew, he doesn't tell us, Matthew does not tell us that he was chosen until after he gives us a story. A story about Jesus calling the storm. Now, a couple of the other Gospels also report about this storm. Things to remember is we have four different men who wrote those four Gospels, and they each saw them from a different perspective. That's in Matthew and John, who were number two who were disciples. Mark and Luke got this story probably second and third hand. So we don't know exactly the order. But Matthew tells us the story before Matthew was even called to be a disciple. We usually think that all 12 disciples were in the book. We really don't know. But at the same time, there were other people who were following him. There's never been 50 people in that book. We don't know how big that was. But we know that four of them were fishermen. Four of them 
where it used to be on that lake, and it's probably been on that lake when a storm came up. And this big storm comes in, and they know what they're doing. In fact, it says that James and John left their father and the hired men and followed Jesus. They were used to being in charge. They knew how to tell people what to do when a situation came up. So we know that they were up there telling everyone how to keep that boat afloat. But they were afraid it was going to capsize. And what happens in that story, I think we've probably all heard that before. Jesus is asleep. And they're up there trying to fight the storm. Now, I personally believe that Jesus knew there was a storm going on. I think that Jesus was just sitting there and waiting for them to come to him to ask for help. They had done everything they knew how to do. And he was waiting for them to come to him. Well, they did come ask for help. But when they came and asked for help, they didn't ask him to come up and help the storm. They wanted him to get up, go up there and help grow or do whatever it was that needed to be done so the boat wouldn't go under. But he did exactly what he was going to do. He just went up and called the storm. We're not so different, are we? We've got to do the same thing. It's really funny, though, during that time, the first thing when he got Jesus, the first thing he said was, Oh, you a little thing. Why are you so afraid? This story is found in Matthew chapter 8. Now, what's really neat about this is we can go back to the beginning of chapter 8 around verse 5. We see a story that we know they were there to watch. They witnessed the story. They were chosen in chapter 4 of Matthew. They saw chapter 5, 6, and 7. Now we're in chapter 8, and a man comes to them beginning in verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, and I'm going to read this this morning. So when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come into my head. But just say the word and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority, the soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes, I tell that one come and he comes, I say to this, my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not yet found anyone in Israel with such great faith. If you jump over to verse 13, it says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believe it will. And the servant was healed at that very hour. They just saw this. And now they're in what? And if it was me, and I just witnessed that, and I'm in a boat with a big stone going on, I like the things of my pride and jump in just a little bit, and I'm going to have the opportunity to show how much faith I have in Jesus. Right? And the very next words out of Jesus is now to the old view of little faith. I have not seen this great faith. These were some pretty impressive disciples in this program.
God does not need superstars. He needs people who will put aside what they think church should be. People who will bring gifts and talents to the team and enter his call to fall where he is leading so that lost souls can hear the good news of salvation through the good of Jesus Thank you. 
Thank you. 